Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a documentary filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay from the Movie Proposal Podcast, sitting in for Jason Rugg, who has bailed on Christian a second time. <laughs> yes, good. And at the last minute, too. Right. <laughs> um, so we're going to make his editing for this really cumbersome. <laughs> but, um, Christian, hello. Hi, Josh. Great How to see you. you. Good. Thanks so much for being here and bailing me out. It's really nice to see you. We've missed having you on here. So thank you. Thank thanks you for, for back. Thanks for coming back. Um, I'm assuming our listening audience heard our last episode, but in case you didn't, we had PR extraordinaire Andrew Cohen on, and he's back with us again today. Andrew, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, Andrew, could you do me a favor? Christian sent me this bio. That was a, basically a book, and I wasn't <laughs> going to read it. Can you just remind everyone what it is you do and um, you know, highlight some of the things people might know you by? Yeah, definitely. Just to remind everybody. Uh, and by the way, thanks again for having me back. Um, so I am a publicist and animation director. Um, you know, NPR side, I work with primarily behind-the-camera talent, um, from writers, directors, and producers to editors and composers and sound designers. Um, we help you tell the stories of yourself and your company brand alongside your film um, through the mediums of press and panels and social media. Um, I also have a small animation studio where we get to tell cool stories here and there. Um, but yeah, I'm just you know honored to be supporting so many great filmmakers in the PR side across festivals like Sundance and Tribeca and across things like Emmy campaigns and comic cons and what have you. And yeah, it's just a, it's a really fun job to be paid to help people tell their stories. And uh, yeah, just very honored to be here. That's great. And you well, do thank you, for coming. So you, 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 you also create some of your own stories too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a very basic animator. My better skill is directing and editing. Um, so I'm a, I generally with the animation side surround myself with, um, even more talented people than myself. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I do do some, some editing and some animation here and there. And, uh, yeah, on the PR side, I, those skills come into play with our behind the scenes featurettes that we'll sometimes shoot like EPKs and, and almost something like you might see in a DVD extra. And our idea is that sometimes when you, want to tell your story the best, sometimes it's better to just do it yourself. Because if you say five pearls of wisdom to a journalist, um, maybe they only write down two of them. If you produce your own like signature behind the scenes featurette, you're a hundred percent in control of that narrative. And so you're able to kind of like, you know, take control of that very easily. And uh, yeah, I think it's important to always be thinking about your own content about yourself alongside your stories you want to be telling in documentary or scripted lanes. Yeah, I just, you know, want to remind people really, if you um, get a chance, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to the first episode, because Andrew talked to us about how his journey, you know, to his position today, and I thought it was very fascinating. So make sure you go and listen to that. We're going to jump right into, you know, what mis filmmaker or what mistakes filmmakers make. And you know, what would you say to filmmakers, uh, you know, if they want to level up their game, uh, just talk to us a little bit about that. For sure. So I always say like the two most important like PR principles that I have that I think any, you know, filmmaker can benefit from considering. 
Number one is start early when you're thinking about promotion. And that relates to a few different things. First of all, you should start early in terms of your pre-production thinking. Like, you know, um, and actually it folds into point number two, which is document your process. So when when you think about pre-production, you know, if possible for you to like budget for a behind the scenes filmmaker or photographer to sort of like document you doing your thing, like you don't have to do it every single day of your production, but like having that for big moments here and there is really helpful because that B-roll can be recycled and reproduced into behind the scenes featurettes and, and press exclusives. And so um, it's hard sometimes to recreate that after you've already finished filmmaking. So having that, you know, prepared while you're filmmaking is super helpful. Um, also in terms of starting early, it's good to like give a heads up or start building a relationship with a PR person um, as soon as possible. And in the life cycle of your project, you know, it's really helpful to start strategizing two months before a release at a festival or wide release and actually start executing a PR campaign about one month before, because the way that a lot of the news works is that they want to have their conversations with you before your release so that they can publish their story, like the day of the release or the day before or after. And if you wait until after it's already out, by the time that we do the outreach, we schedule the interview, they transcribe it, they edit it, they produce it or they publish it that can take two to three weeks. And so suddenly the story that from so-and-so festival you have is now like a month later and it feels like old news. So you're going to limit the prestige of interest if you don't start early. Not saying that it's impossible to promote something that's already been released, but it's like you want to give yourself the best chance possible. And whether that's doing your own promotion or hiring somebody, always lead time is super valuable. So those are the two biggest mistakes is that people don't start early enough and people forget to document their process. So I definitely encourage people to do those two things. Yeah. And I think I would add on there, please build into your budget, if at all possible, money for PR at the end. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because uh, if you, it's just so much more helpful if you can pay somebody to to write stuff for you, to help you with the things that you need, uh, but you do have to, to budget for that in the beginning and set it aside. And do you have, like when someone is typically making a film or a project, I mean, to document seems like an awful lot to do on top of all their other responsibilities. I mean, I don't either one of you can answer this question. Is there someone that typically does those, those tasks? I mean, I, I think that there's so many different people that could do that. I mean, if you have a line producer, that's not, you know, busy if you have an ad if you have pa you know anyone like it's better to have somebody with an iphone doing something than have nothing at all um and so and you can even sometimes do it yourself you know ideally not selfies but um as a director maybe you have your crew kind of in action and you can film and record them but um or you find someone just for a day to do it i don't know if christian you have any thoughts on that yeah, so we we've done several things. So first of all, in every project that I do, I ask everybody to take pictures, and then I combine them at the end, and we have a folder with pictures from everybody. I also ask them to do little videos, fun things on the side. Um, I ask them to roll early, you know, or you know, stop later, just so you have some extra stuff. And then I have specifically hired BTS. Uh, photo, you know, photographer or a cinematographer who can do photos and videos behind the scenes uh, for a day or two, you know, not the whole shoot um, so that we have those ancillary assets that we can play around with. Yeah. Super, 
Super important. Okay. So how can a filmmaker, I'm going to share my experience with you because it was actually very frustrating um, because I, you haven't seen my film yet. I really am going to share it with you because I'd love for you to watch it and uh, have your two cents. But my film uh, came out during the pandemic. I'm a first time filmmaker and this film is actually a phenomenal film and it did really well on the film festival circuit. Um, it's been very impactful in so many different communities, veteran communities and current military communities. Uh, and truthfully, you know, we won so many awards that had, you know, I mean, and I did have a publicist actually, but it, I don't know, nothing much came from that. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, if I would have hired you, um, could it have been a different story for me, even through, you know, the film festival run or whatever? Um, yeah. So I, I feel like, gosh, <laughs> I don't know. What would you have done for me uh, if mm -hmm. I had come to you kind of early on? And I did start talking to the other PR firm during, mm -hmm. before the film festival run. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm wondering, is it the PR firm or is it the film? Like what makes the difference? It's, it's maybe a little bit of both. Um, you know, I mean, I haven't seen your film, so I'll have to see it and, uh, and report back more Just specifically. Trust me, it's the best documentary you've ever I'm seen. Sure, I'm sure it is. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think, I think that it probably does come down to finding like the right relationship and the right partnership. And also most importantly, like the right expectations. You know, I think that um, a lot of PR companies are still kind of stuck in their ways in terms of the traditional time-based approach um, where it's like, you know, we're going to charge you X number of dollars per month and however many months it is, you know, depending on your goals and your budget and expectations. Um, I found that doesn't work for everyone, um, especially because people don't like to pay for a month of question mark. And so we now offer alternative packages that are more deliverable oriented. And so the idea is that you're paying for five interviews, one panel, one media training, one bio update, things like that, um, that are very specific. And that way, like, you know, there's usually a clear expectation that we will at least get that hopefully more than that. And so I think that's a different way to think about it. I don't know that there are like a ton of PR firms that are doing that, but I think that more should. I also think that PR firms need to start evolving how they approach um, their process. I think that everyone is very conscious that press is a big driver of success, but I think that press is starting to dilute in its value. I think people are not reading the press as much as they once were. I, I do think that the first time you do PR, it is helpful to have press because we want to like establish some Google search results for you. But I think as we evolve, you know, there are so many other ways to market yourself, like social media and panels, which are super efficient and networking and going to events and looking into content partnerships or product endorsements. And so, you know, I think that like the challenge for filmmakers is like, you want to find the right partner who's giving you the right expectations, and the right proposal, and then, you know, ask them to see case studies. Like sometimes we'll send like a highlight kit and it's like, here's the best across 10 campaigns. But what's better is if someone can share you like, here's what I did with this very similar documentary or very similar filmmaker. And here's the roadmap that we did for them. So you can see like the possibilities um, like that. And then, you know, I think that, it's just about finding the right fit, the right expectations. And then I guess the last piece of due diligence you could do is certainly ask to speak to some of their past clients and understand, you know, what they had. And I think that the other thing that people forget about PR, and I'm not saying that you did, um, but some for my clients is that like PR is only one piece of the puzzle. And so 
once we get the press and once we get the excitement, you, like the Royal You filmmakers, need to continue to be proactive with that. And now that you have better Google search results, like hopefully when you go to events, people like know you more or they look, look you up and they're more impressed by you. So, you know, I still encourage people to explore it and find the right partners because I know they're out there. And if you don't know who they are, you can definitely hit me up and um, I can refer someone if we're not the right fit. So. Yeah. I think that I spent between five and $8,000 for my work. Um, and I think maybe I had two interviews and a couple of news articles and it didn't really make much of a splash or help my film very much in my opinion. Um, and that's a lot of money to spend yeah. uh, for somebody in my situation. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed with that. And what I wonder is, does it come down to relationships? I mean, people in the PR world, it seems like it's who you know, you know, just like anything else. You can go to people and, and you have a reputation with them, I would assume, where they're going to believe you. Like if you're taking on a client, they're going to think that, okay, this guy has taste. He knows what he's doing. We're going to give this an extra look. Does it come down to uh, does success in your business come down to relationships and who you know? I think that's part of it. Um, I think it's also just about being creative and outside the box. You know, I mean, we're, we have successful relationships, but the media landscape is constantly changing. Like the journalist that's your friend today may not be working tomorrow. And so I think that where I think of success is, is just like people that are looking to constantly better themselves in terms of marketing and PR, um, people who are not looking to just do the classic thing over and over again. Uh, and have a more personalized approach and are identifying new channels, new platforms, new outlets um, to work with because, you know, a few years ago, TikTok wasn't really a thing. And um, a few years before that, you know, written interviews weren't really a thing. It was all phoners. And so it's always about constantly evolving. And I think that the right PR firm is one that is evolving along with the times. And, uh, and also, again, just has your best interests in mind in terms of not being too small that they can't do enough for you in terms of their bandwidth and resources and not being too big that you're stuck in, you know, expensive and, and corporate vibes. And so, you know, there's definitely like great PR people out there. And I think that uh, hopefully your listeners can find them. <laughs> or, awesome. just, or just All call right, me or just call me. I'm also available. Yeah, we'll just call you impact 24 <laughs> PR. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So before I pivot to, uh, I want to talk to you about your most recent film festival adventure. Uh, Josh, yes. do you have anything else? Any other questions along this line? Well, besides yeah, going straight to Andrew, how does someone find a publicist? Where, where do you go besides Googling? Um, some film festivals will actually list PR contacts for every single film. And also, like I think I mean, Google search is a friend of, um, I think asking around to filmmakers, I think referrals is really good. I think looking at film festival websites and seeing who they have listed for some of the films. Um, I also think like if you have seen a film that you really respect the PR of, like go to the film's website or reach out to those filmmakers and see if you can find the PR contact that way. Um, and you know, there's also like different PR organizations that have directories and stuff. I found a there's a lot of PR Facebook groups where you can post like I'm looking for a publicist too. And um, so there's a lot, a lot of different ways to find PR, but I think referrals and asking around is probably the best. And listening to the documentary first podcast would be incredibly helpful. I think. <laughs> yes. That also. <laughs> All right. So you did just get back from TIFF. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm interested in is I've never been to TIFF. So, it, you know, it is one of the big film festivals. It's very helpful for filmmakers to get in there, to place well. Uh, I'd love to know what your thoughts are about the film festival, what your experience was, and what filmmakers should know uh, if they're going to submit or even go, you know, as, a, as an audience member. Yeah, so um, it was a great experience. Um, I did have some flight issues and I missed um, both my premieres I was supposed to be there for. So I had to call Toronto-based PR friends and ask them to cover for me. Um, But it was still really fun. There was a lot of great excitement while I was there and it was still very happening. I think the only big difference was maybe a little bit of less press attendance because of the strike and less actors being there. But I did see like, you know, there was a Sylvester Stallone documentary and he was there. There was the Lil Nas X documentary and he was there. So, you know, there still was some bigger presence, honestly, on the documentary side, which was pretty cool that they had a bit of a moment for docs there. And, um, you know, I think the great thing with festivals is that from a PR standpoint, they're quite efficient. You know, you can get a bunch of interviews before, during and after a festival because there's registered press lists that will come out that you can get access to as a filmmaker um, or as a publicist. And you kind of just like, reach out to a bunch of those people and try to set up connections uh, and interviews because each of these journalists need to have a certain number of stories they come out with from the festival. And so we want to be one of those stories. It's like interview our client, director, this person, producer, that person, editor, so-and-so. And, And, um, you know, it's just easy to get a lot of interviews in one fell swoop. Plus there's lots of things like parties and events and panels. Like I had a client who was on a panel uh, talking about the business of film And, you know, it's just a lot of the stuff that you might do more spread out virtually can all happen like in one nice little weekend. And, you know, I always find that with these festivals, it does attract a very serious and committed filmmaker because it's expensive to be there and it's far for people who are not in Toronto. And so I think the quality of people that you meet is always very strong. And so I would say from a exposure and a press and a networking standpoint, it's really strong. And then, you know, if you are at these festivals, make sure you like ask around about like events and make sure you take good photos of yourself on cool, you know, with the TIFF sign or with the step and repeat, like you want to create a content moment for yourself so you can share with your, your fans and your followers and your friends and everything. And um, yeah, I just think, like I said, there's so, there's so much that can happen at these festivals. So it's, it's great to go if you can. Even if you don't have a film in the festival. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that it's always good to, I mean, be be judicious with your budget, of course. And like, if you're deciding like on going to some random festival that's prestigious, but you have no film in there versus investing in doing PR for your feature. And I might say the latter because, you know, you want to build your your presence and your brand so that when you go to these places, people take you more seriously. But yeah, it, you know, there's tons of people that are not um, filmmakers at the festival that are still writers, directors, and producers and everywhere on from that uh that are going to these festivals and like i said it's just such a high quality of people and it's always good a good look to like broadcast that you're at these festivals um on your socials and of course still being humble and 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 transparent that you don't have a film there but yeah they're they're just such a great time and i always find that like you know usually for us we're being paid to be there like i was paid to be there um so that's even easier but i'm always getting at least one new client from these festivals. So from my standpoint, it's totally worth it. Awesome. Well, if you had to pick five film festivals that you recommend uh, filmmakers go to or submit to, what would they be? 
Well, um, you know, the ones that I like to go to the most because I often have clients at and they're just like so big and happening, I guess, is definitely Sundance is number one. Like that's my favorite by far. It's like summer camp in the snow and um, just like the parties are so fun and the people are so nice. And like, you'd be really surprised like how open people are on the streets or Mm -hmm. in the bars or wherever um, to just talk to you. And and, um, I think the goal of these festivals is just like open up as many doors as you can, like follow up with them after the festival. But yeah, Sundance is just the most fun for sure. And I also went to South by Southwest this year and that was a lot of fun. Um, it's interesting to see how that one is evolving over the years because they have like the big music side and the tech and startup side. Um, and sometimes I feel frustrated that like, I don't necessarily want to network as much in those areas. And so like the percentage of people in film is less, but it, this year I was there and it was really strong and there was so much good stuff happening and there was podcast tracks and advertising industry tracks and like Warner brothers and Disney had a big presence there, which was very interesting and unusual for a festival. Um, but yeah, those are good. Tribeca Film Festival is a great one. TIFF is good. And then, you know, like that's four. And then number five, I'm going to say like everyone else, because I think any festival is good. Like find, you know, a festival in your local area, like any city or a town probably has some sort of festival. And if they don't, like maybe it's time for you to make one, you know, because yeah. I think that like there's such great opportunities for community building and visibility building um, through festivals and panels and screenings and stuff like that, that like no festival is too small in my opinion. And even like the ones that are less organized, they always have some fun opportunities and some good, good things happening. And all it takes is one good new connection at a festival to make the whole thing worth it. it. Like I was, I brought one of my producer clients um, to TIFF and she was on a panel and she didn't have any films at the festival. And we went to this like producers meetup and by coincidence, we met the CEO of the producers guild and she was very impressed by my client. And like, I told her after I'm like, you know, that one connection was like worth your whole trip here. Right. And she was like, <laughs> yeah. So all it takes is one fortuitous, you know, shoulder rub. And uh, suddenly you're, you're on the next path to higher success in entertainment and filmmaking. Yeah. I was hoping that happened when I bumped into Stanley Tucci with his wine glass at Sundance. I was like, Ooh, this is going to be my opportunity. And (laughs) it was not, unfortunately, Uh, but it was fun. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe next time. I do agree with you. Some of the smaller ones, Chagrin Documentary Film Festival is tops in Chagrin, Ohio. The Buford International Film Festival is an amazing one down in Buford, South Carolina. Um, There's just a whole host of these smaller film festivals that uh, are doing amazing work and you can meet the people readily and it's just a beautiful experience. Um, You know, I've talked about this forever. The Dubuque International Film Festival is just uh, superior in my opinion. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, We are now running out of time. It is time for our favorite segment, the DocuView Deja Vu. All right, Andrew, did you bring a second documentary for us this week? Yeah. Um, my other, my documentary this week is give me shelter, which is a documentary about the Rolling Stones. Um, and it's Mm. about a very specific performance that they had. And, uh, it's just a very interesting style. Uh, it talks about, they had like the, there was like a weird, uh, attack at the concert and someone died and, and the way that they like structure the documentary is very interesting. There's sort of an interesting like uh, frame story where you see them actually at like the editing table um, in the very beginning and the end. And I don't know, just something about that 
story like really inspired me about how you can tell such a long it's like using a specific anecdote to tell a larger story about the era, the band, other political happenings. And I just felt really inspired by that film. That's awesome. All right. Where can we watch this? Um, looks like it's on it Amazon Prime Video. You have to, <laughs> okay, you have to um, pay for it, I think. I don't know that it's like super available on streaming. It's from 1970. But, um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's, really, it's really good. And um, I studied it in, in school and everything. And uh, definitely like recommend checking it out. It's also in like Turner Classic Movies and you know, just, just look out for it. It's definitely a good one. <laughs> good to know. All right, Josh, what about you? Uh, before I share, I, I, we may have brought this up and this is from Jason Rugg, the app just watch. I mm. use it all the time to find where is fill in the blank streaming and okay. it'll tell you what platforms it's on or if you need to rent it. Uh, but super helpful app, just watch. Uh, yep. My, again, I don't know if this is a documentary or a reality TV. Uh, and again, it's another Netflix sports series. This one is called Full Swing about professional golf. Oh, yeah. I, and I'll be honest, I don't know what season I watch, but it's the season. There may only be one season as far as I know, but it's, they, it's not just about these golfers' lives. And they, they focus on three or four of them, and you get to meet their wives. Awesome. And, and their friends, their families, and just the. I heard actually. I heard about this one. Oh, we, we lost you for a second. We, we we lost you, Josh. Uh, where you said it's about. So why don't you? <laughs> it's about. It, it's about. Um, this one's for you, Jason, for for missing today's recording. You get to edit all this. So, <laughs> all right. It's about professional golfers. Their the struggles, their families, their friends, the ups and downs. But it also focuses on live golf, which is the Saudi Arabian oil people buying all these golfers to come and play in, in their tournaments. And it's very controversial, but very interesting. So, again, I don't watch any professional golf, but it was phenomenal, very entertaining. Awesome. All right. Well, mine is also another documentary, um, and it is, I mean, a Netflix documentary series. Um, it's called Spy Ops. Uh, it is intelligence operatives from M M16 to the CIA, and they share insider stories of spycraft, Cold War campaigns, and coups carried out by covert agents. Um, I, the very first one I watched um, is... You know, it, it was great. It was um, on Afghanistan and it was, um, you know, important to me because, of course, my son fought there. Um, and I was really fascinated by, um, you know, by the story. However, I then watched another one down the road about the um, assassination on Pope John. And it really, it wasn't really that fascinating. So I'm not sure. I haven't watched more than that. I would say uh, I really like the concept. I thought the very first episode was good, uh, but check it out see what you guys think. I still think it's worth watching. So that's it for us today. Uh, um, th this has been wonderful, Andrew. I really loved having you here. Um, do you have any parting thoughts or uh, that you want to share with people that are listening? Um, like I said, I think it's never too early to start 
you know, exploring PR, it's always, even if you're not in a current product life cycle, like start asking questions, start making relationships with PR, um, whether it's me or someone else. And uh, I wish everyone the best in your storytelling journey. And don't forget that you have to tell your own story alongside that of your subjects. So I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to tune into this amazing podcast. And thank you guys for having me. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, and if people can, if they want to find you, can you give some contact information yeah. or where they can find you on social media? For sure. Um, you can reach out to info at impact24pr.com. Um, so impact24pr.com. And you can find me on social media, on uh, Instagram. I'm at Anseco, so A-N-S-E-C-O-H. Um, or on Twitter at A-S-Cohen-P-R. And I'm sure that'll be in the description or something like that also. But um, yeah, just reach yeah. out to us, however, wherever. And I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Awesome. All right, Josh, take us out. All right. Well, Andrew, thank you again for being on with us. Christian, it was great seeing you again. Yeah, you and too. Jason, if you're listening, uh, I got your back. So <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, but to everyone, uh, thank you for joining us today, for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. The Documentary First podcast is a production of Documentary First Productions. Help us create more educational and inspiring filmmaking content and share more stories of service by supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash documentary first. Also, be sure to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can discover our awesome entertainment industry content as well as our moving historical stories and possibly learn some new things along the way. Bye, everybody.